Welcome to the D-Shift Podcast, where we provide inspiration, motivation, and education to help you transition from the challenges of divorce to discover the freedom and ability to live life on your own terms. Are you ready? Let's get this shift started. Hi, and welcome to the D-Shift Podcast. Today, we have a really interesting guest who's a little bit different than other people we've had on the show. And I think Richard really brings a unique perspective to maybe some of our relationship basics. So I would like to introduce, and it's my pleasure to introduce Richard Morton. He is a certified EFT and NLP practitioner. So that's kind of an interesting um, title. And a lot of people that are listening probably aren't familiar with those terms. So Richard, thank you again for being on the podcast. I am going to turn it over to you to explain um, EFT and NLP. I can't even get it right. And also to talk a little bit about what brought you here and how you got involved in this really fascinating area. Thank you, Marty. It's a pleasure to be here. EFT stands for Emotional Freedom Technique, commonly known as tapping. And it's really acupressure on the meridians. The body has 12 meridians. We're using 10 acupressure points to to activate the energy systems in your body and to access the memories. Your body is the holder of your emotional story. Uh, and that's another, you know, won't go any deeper now, but it's how we how we hold our memories in place and how what happens over time when we have this. And I'll explain why in a second. NLP is neuro-linguistic program has been around for a long time and, and it's language patterns. It's how we see you know, our map of the world. And, and uh, you know, it's been around it's very deep. I've been studying pretty intensely for like several years and, and very inactive. And you can spend your entire life focusing on a, a few small components of NLP. So it's a, a fascinating journey. I love to understand myself and then obviously apply it in my own life. How I get in this was just uh, fortuitously, uh, I found EFT through a uh, Nick and Jessica Ortner uh, event online. And it just happened to be unfor- uh, a few months before my wife, unfortunately, passed to a brain aneurysm. So a sudden passing. And, and suddenly I'm a single father with two kids. So I was using the videos. I said, I, I need to help process this grief. And it was helping just from what I saw online. It was I was feeling a little bit better because I f- unconsciously somehow was wishing to be have a good mental self-care for my children to be present with them. And I, and I can explain why later, but why that was such a drive for me, but I focused on that. I uh, started using those videos and I eventually found a course a couple months later on uh, a couple hours away from me. And I took the three day course and I thought, okay, this will be a good one to help me process what had just happened. And, and the passing of my wife wasn't even brought up during the course, I had some other deeper traumatic memories that came through me that were, I had no recollection of. And I thought, wow, that was so powerful. What else is there that's, that's not allowing me to be present? You know, and I just kept, and I just thought, I really focused on self-care. And as we were sort of directed with uh, the EFT as well, and, and I took the course again in uh, April of 2000, the next year, 2014, with a master trainer, Nancy Forrester, who has been a, my coach to this day. It took 10 months of uh, training with her because she, she was also an active psychotherapist at the time and really focused on how I can work with myself in a way, that, but also how I can work with others. And that's where I brought it in, out into helping other people because how many people are out there like me who have these memories that are unconsciously steering us because of these events that we have no idea 
why we're having all these things show up in our life like this. And I think that that's really, first of all, commendable that you reached out to get self-care and made that a priority at that very traumatic time. And again, I'm sorry for the loss of of your wife. Um, And I think that that's something that a lot of my audience maybe misses. And that's why I really try to focus on divorce as a transition point, and you need to give yourself time to heal and recover. And one of the things that doesn't happen if people don't do that and don't kind of deal with all this background stuff is exactly what your area of expertise is, is, is why we tend to recreate unhealthy relationship patterns over and over again. And I, I always like to say, I know this is a little bit um, sexist, but this is mostly a female audience. So I'm going to say it anyhow. It's like, why are girls always, why are women always attracted to the bad boys? Or why are they attracted to somebody who is a fixer up partner? And of course, men do the same thing. I'm not saying that's exclusively women. Um, so what can, is there an E, is there a EFT or NLP kind of theory or reason, or can you just share why those kind of relationship patterns keep happening again? Well, it's not even that. It's there's there's a term called adult child syndrome, and about eighty percent of the population has it. When we're children, from zero to seven, we're on record. We are. It is the foundation of our emotional and mental wellness and and how we view the world because we unconsciously pick up patterns, you know, uh, through our families, through our generations, and and their behavior. And as children, we're always we're always seeking safety and how to make that connection. So, when, as a child depending on our parents' relationship, we've developed strategies as a child, you know, what, what makes us safe, how to get attention, how do we get love, you know, and, and again, so our, our, uh, many of us grew up with, well, if I'm a good person and I do all these extra things and I, and I help and I help and I help as just children, we bring that into the adult world. This is where we, we get caught in over-serving. You know, we were giving ourselves away and many people, I mean, bless us, those people, they're, they're going to professions like that. But they give themselves away in such a, a vast amount, there's nothing left for them. And it backfires. We think, oh, if I do all these extra things, people will respect me. And we get stomped on yeah. because we're, we give ourselves away. We, there's no boundaries. And then the rescue part is obviously we get somebody, oh, I can help this person. I can fix them. And boy, is that a disaster. <laughs> yeah. You know, because we get caught in that men and women, you know, I can help this person. And we, we I say if uh, my, my, I think there's 10 things in a relationship and we have three of them in common. Okay, good. I can help them. I can help them get the rest done and nothing changes. Right. We, we right. get caught with those three things. And, and that's a, another common one I, I like to challenge. Which we have these things in common. That's a trap. It's because it's not about what you can common. What's, what can you create? Right. And that takes two people. And that's, that's what I, it's interesting because when I work with people, I always say, you know, all those things that they do that are so quirky and different and interesting, they're really cute for about 18 months. And then after that, they're just going to piss you off. It's just going to be nothing but going downhill from there because, you know, if they're 40 years old and they leave the toilet seat up, it's very unlikely you're going to change it. Or if they're 40 years old and, or if you're 40 years old and you come home and you expect the house to be spotless and you've got kids and pets and a new partner and that's not happening that's not really their fault that's maybe you having those expectations so let's say we've got well not let's say we do have these patterns how do we recognize if we're in a loop 
I'm just going to call it a loop for lack of a better word, but how, how do we know if we're repeating the patterns? Can we sense that or are we blind to that? Well, it's the unconscious. Okay. Because we, we are 95% unconscious and, you know, and it outweighs our conscious mind. We, Conscious mind, this is brought up scientifically. We, we receive about 2,000 bits of information per second. Information. Per second. Wow. Per second. So we only, okay. we only recognize, this is the NLP part, 175. And that's our map of the world that we form as a, as a child. The unconscious gets about 6 million per second. And again, it's all our history. It, it, so unconsciously, we, we can, it's what's driving the bus. I, I call us, we're, you know, the tip of the pen, and, and the, it's, but we're on the front of the bus. The bus is still running the show. And again, what we see is what's familiar. Even dangerous stuff is familiar. If we grew up in a family where, you know, our parents had certain dynamics, you know, mother was, uh, you know, maybe a passive aggressive and father, father was like a, you know, maybe narcissistic and it happens, right? These are really tough situations to grow up in. We're attracted to the same thing, whether we like it or not, because it's familiar to our unconscious. And we get caught in the same uh, trap. It starts out, we want something different, but it just doesn't feel right. It feels off. You know, the nice guys finish last kind of thing. The, the bad boy shows up because it's familiar because that's what our dad was like. Maybe he was a, a partier, like a drinker, you know, and I'm not putting the parents down, but this, what, this is what we all do. Sure. But that's familiar. So we get caught in that again because the, the other, the, the, the new guy, the nice guy is, is not familiar, doesn't feel right. You know, we, and it's because it's our con- unconscious. Right. So with the EFT NLP, we can uncover what the unconscious belief is and help with a reframe. And, and that's like I said, when I lost my wife, she was a lovely gal. We had our challenges. I spent four years of my own I, uh, that I never, I never dated. I have great coffee friends, but I did a lot of work because I knew I wanted something different. Yeah. And that relationship I wrote a, a year later on after my wife passed on paper had 50 words on it. And, and that's the relationship I had today because I knew what that felt like. And that was different than what I had been exposed to. Okay. Well, that, and that's very powerful. So let's, would you be able to tell us how to use EFT? Like how does that actually work to create the change? I know you said it was tapping, but I, I'm wondering if you could give sort of a um, simplified version of, of what that might look like and how it actually affects that subconscious bringing stuff forward and being able to process it. So the, what we're trained in really with EFT now is we brought it, we call conscious EFT and the whole point is safety. Now, what we've been trained is in the last way for all types of what I call uh, care is uh, digging up the past, you know, going into all those traumatic events. And, and unfortunately, what, what that's made a lot of therapists and counselors rich because there's always another problem shows up. And we're always, you know, dealing with the behavior. Well, behavior is at the end of the road because we have a value and every value has up to 100 beliefs and every belief has up to 80 behaviors. So we're cycling in behaviors, you know. So we're, and it's digging up the painful stuff again. We, it's, it's, it's hard on the person. It's hard on the counselor. So where we are now with EFT and the, the tapping is we're dealing with present time. I'm creating a safe place for you emotionally by using the meridian points. And creating this space of change for you because your higher self knows what parts you need to change to have something different. But in there, we find the core beliefs. You know, I, I'm not enough. I need to do that or how I need to do this to feel myself safe. People who are what I call uh, obsessive of how things are you know, around the house, 
how is that inner childhood where they had to constantly arrange things or constantly had to do things in order to feel safe, right? They had to organize and structure and that, that pattern comes into relationships. You know, if something's out of place, they run over and they got to fix it. But I'm dealing with the now. And what is the problem now? What is the, the belief now that, you know, we can work with? And, it's, and, it, and so we're always acknowledging the problem first. Okay. That's our truth. No matter what it is, what, you know, that's our truth in the moment. You know, so we, we do the tapping. Well, I, you know, I feel like I'm, I, I can't communicate or I'm, I'm, always, um, I'm always disappointing myself, disappointing people. You know, how many of us grew up like that? We're, 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 we were a disappointment. So, so we just, you know, work on, we tap on that because it's not a real truth underneath. Underneath, we're all the same. We're not broken. We put a lot of stories on top, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of BS. That's double-edged belief system and the other word as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can say it. It's okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But it piles on, right? And this yeah. is, we're carrying all these things we grew up with in our family tree. We're carrying all that. So if we're trying to manage the world. And I feel like I'm a disappointment. I feel like I'm not enough. I'm not worthy. I don't deserve this, you know, or everything I try and do something, I'm wrong. How many of us grew up like, you know, I grew up with a really, really hypercritical father. And I watched my siblings. And I mean, you never knew if you're doing the right thing because he was just like always on your shoulder, just barking. So you grew up, you think everything, I, nothing I can do is right or good enough. And, and if you have a type of person that always needs that external confirmation, you're always going to find the wrong kind of confirmation. Now, that was wrong. That was wrong. Right. So it's, it's like we're looking through a lens that predetermines what we're going to see is Absolutely. really what it is, right? Yes. Yeah. So the, and can you explain a little bit about what meridians are just for people that may not be aware of this at all? Um, I have used the tapping. I had a mindset coach who used it. Um, it's phenomenal. It really, really works. I know it sounds a little woo woo and out there, but boy, does it work. So I'm going to, I'm going to tell you that I, Cause I am not that, I'm not that kind of person. Um, yeah. In other words, that's not my go-to thing, but I'm convinced that, that EFT is, is us. And I know a lot of therapists use it. So I know it's not just, you know, a subset of people that use it. It's professionals are using it. Lots of people are. So can you talk a little bit about the meridians and what they, how they regulate sort of our subconscious, our processing or. The nervous system, the, the meridian system, it actually came from the Chinese acupressure uh, of, uh, technique they, they you know several thousand years ago. So if you look at the chart, I mean it's filled with all these lines, and they would put needle points and all. Well, uh, Gary Craig back in I think late eighties learned about ten points hitting all the meridians just by you know the top of the head, center of the eyebrow, side of the eye. And I don't have them all memorized exactly where they are. I don't need to. I'm more concerned in my language, my in my connection to the person. But so we don't have to know all these things. We just and even if we're close, because it's really intentional. You know how this works. So when you're tapping that, so just just putting pressure now as you're activating your energy, you know, down into your body, wherever those energy or emotions are stored. You know, and I say, you know, grief is stored in lungs, anger in the liver. You know, thereabouts like that. Again, we don't have to know exactly because people say, oh, I don't know what I can't use it. And and I I give people, you know, I teach them how, but I teach them how to finger tap as well because the same meridians run through your hands. And we unconsciously do this when we're nervous. Some people sit there like this, yeah. you know, and we are top our fingers like that. We don't realize we're, we're activating our meridians. Right. You know, people do these they massage. There's two big points in here like that. So, and we tend to do this when we're, when, when we're nervous, you know, hold our head, 
and some you know it's just little things that we do unconsciously so it's it's we do it anyway and and so it's interesting a uh, esthetician who she didn't realize when she was working on people's fingernails she was activating the meridians she was learning this at the same time and couldn't figure out why they'd all start talking and talking and talking well she was doing literally counseling work on you know not you know unknowingly work with them so you're just what I want to stress here is you don't have to have a knowledge of this so to help yourself, just doing this on your own. I teach the finger tapping so people can do this on their own. So when it, because it starts to regulate, meaning calming your nervous system down. Mm-hmm. Just, just like, it's like emotional fitness. This is like, so doing this way that lowers your cortisol, starts to regulate your nervous system, your vagus nerve. And you don't, that's all you need to know. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. And, and like I say, it really does work. I mean, you could, and I, and I know with, with my NLP training, a lot of times you'll have people imagine a really positive event in their life and they use like a finger pressure and you keep, every time you feel that positive, you do that, that finger pressure and it, it pairs in your, I guess, in your subconscious. And then when you're in a stressful time, you press, you do that, that positive finger, whatever, whatever you've trained yourself and you will actually feel yourself relax. And that's all you're doing. But I'm, I'm guessing you're also um, working on your meridian when you're using your fingers as well, then. Yeah. So it kind of has that dual thing. So, so I think you've taught, this has been really exciting. Like this to me is super exciting. So tell me about how you use um, this process to make a change in your, your relationship picker part of your body. Like how do you, how do you, how are you able to open up your ability to see the potential in more in healthier and more positive partners than maybe following falling back into a cycle of repeating a negative relationship. It's fine. It's when we're doing the tapping and we're we're talking about perhaps, you know, how, what these partners are to them in sense to how energetically there's an attachment. We'll work with trying to, you know, find the energy in your body. Where is that? And this takes time. So not everybody has this sense of, because we're so disassociated from our body. So one is coming home and say, where do you feel that? You know, when you look at this partner and then what happens is you start to, okay, yeah. Now, is this familiar with anyone else? And and they might say, yeah, that was, uh, that's how I felt with my dad. You know, that same energy, a a quick side story. When I worked on a a boss, who was micromanaging one time and I did the work, the energy when I really was, was my dad's energy. But he wasn't a micromanager. He was just this big <laughs> authority figure. Okay. And that's what happens sometimes. We don't realize how we're, we're unconsciously picking these, right? It may represent a past event or someone in our life and that. When I changed my energy about the, my boss, we had a different relationship. And I never had a conversation. I changed my energy and my relationship with my boss changed 180 degrees. Now, that was really dramatic. But, I mean, this is the power we have. If I have a, uh, what I like to do is have people imagine the person in front of them, that, you know, the relationship, and then we work on the energy to sort of normalize the energy flow. So, you know, especially if it's been a contrast or conflict like that, that now we get a chance to have new energy for a new relationship, a new engagement with people. It's not the old thing showing up because it's, again, we are, we are unconsciously addicted to, uh, so uh, Joe Dispenza says, your body's a record of the past and it'll, it'll keep repeating itself day after day because if you don't do anything different yeah yeah well so how long and and i i know you i heard you say that different people are more attuned to this um and and i really believe that a lot of this mindfulness work that is being promoted across corporate 
America, corporate Canada, corporate world is really on um, tapping into people getting more attuned with their intuition, their um, connection with others, their own sense of safety and security and how they relate to others. So some people are, there's a lot of different ways that people are approaching this, but how long would you say most people work with you for to kind of clear that ne- those negative energy patterns or to um, align their energies more positively or their ability to see relationships more positively? What, what's kind of a typical time frame that people would look at? Three to six months. Three months just gives a foundation. And I, I'm not one that wants to have see somebody for a long time no disrespect, because I'm about helping you change as fast as you can, but as, as, as ethically as you can to to have something different. Yeah. So say at least three months, give yourself a foundation of something, you know, where you can look at a, a new phase of life and sometimes allowing you to have that space because depending on how fast you want things to happen. So that space allows a new, a new foundation because we, you know, we are guilty of, cycling up into these things and cycling back down. I want to, you know, and all this work is to give you a new foundation and a new perspective. So it may not be as you've been through a divorce, but having a brand new relationship right away is creating a relationship and a space so you can be different and enjoy the things around you. What around you that you really uh, is a such positive because we so focus on the negative. We forget all the good things around us. Yeah. You know, a new divorcee or then a divorce, maybe it's that whole time of, of letting go of the pain that they can really embrace a new relationship with their children and family and establish that foundation. So then eventually we can work on a new relationship. We're not, so we're not replacing because we're really good at replacing men and women. And yes. We bring somebody else in and, you know, and boy, oh, does it looks great for about two or three weeks. And then it's, we realize we, we got a bigger pile of manure in our hands than we even had before. Right. And a lot of times I find too, that people are kind of like, well, I don't want to back out of this relationship. I just got out of one. I don't want to be on my own. And so they kind of go, well, this isn't great, but Hey, it's better than the alternative. Right. So, yeah, uh, yeah. so I, I'm going to kind of go forward. So, this has been absolutely fantastic. Um, Richard, you have provided so much information. And um, is there one thing that you would like people kind of top of the mind when they leave here to keep in mind or to remember about our conversation? Well, number one, you're, n- you're not broken because the, the world out there tells you you're broken and we have to fix you. And that's we want to take that away and say we're working with you in the now to just really create something different and safe that's 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 positive for you and where i help two people is their communication styles you know with the nlp the direct inferential and their love languages because i think communication is our biggest problem period my my opinion and when we look at that on our love language uh we think oh it's about love it's about how we connect Yes. Even as two men, two women in the sense of, you know, work relationship, how do we give and receive attention to each other? And oftentimes, we, once we understand that the other, and understand what the other person was trying to do, we can work to connect that. And then you look at how you have, what connections did you have with your parents? It's love language. What connections do you have with your siblings? It's love language. How did you communicate? It's, it's communication. So yeah. we're not broken, but if we can bring those two pieces in and look back and, oh, man, I realize now why I wasn't connecting to those people and how do I do something different in the future? And you're never too late. I'm 65 and I'm so embracing this new energy and, and new space to keep working and improving this and on my yeah. own relationship, let alone how can I engage with others? 
I love that. And I really love that message. You are not broken because so many people have that sense, you know, especially if they've been in a relationship with a narcissist or they've had a, a, you know, a horrific childhood, they've had alcoholism or drug abuse in their family. They thought, well, I, you know, I don't have potential. So I love, love, love that message that you're not broken. That, that is a big takeaway today. So Richard, if people are interested in connecting with you, finding out more about what you do, or maybe even working with you to deal with some of these issues after any kind of traumatic incident, it doesn't have to just be divorce. It could be, as Richard said, the loss of a loved one. It could be difficulties in communicating at work or, or having relationships with kids or, or other family members. How can people reach out to you, Richard? Well, uh, my link tree will be uh, link be sent there. But if you really want to reach out, my name is R M O R D E N at gmail.com, Richard Morden. And put in in the headline, you know, uh, maybe the show, the title is show uh, counseling or not counseling. Uh, I have to be pretty careful with my word choice, but you know, uh, emotional support in the in the link. So I'll see the the title in that. But that's my that's my generic link for people reaching out to me. And then my uh, with Linktree, it has my phone number, my WhatsApp, and uh, uh, my LinkedIn profile. So a number of ways people can reach out to me as well. And, and again, all of that will be in the show notes. We will have that yeah. down there for uh, for people. And if you are emailing um, Richard, just put the title, the D shift podcast mm, um, yeah. uh, consulting or emotional support that and thank you for that very generous offer i really appreciate that so it has been wonderful having you on this show uh, richard and i'd like to thank everybody for listening in and welcome you back to our next episode which will be on the air next week thanks for listening and supporting the d shift podcast if you would like to attend live trainings by our amazing guests and have a chance to ask questions and get answers from our experts Join the D-Shift crew. For more details and to sign up, head on over to www.divorcecoachforwomen and click on the podcast page.